When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the Lakers news and everything going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos as well, covering the latest news and trends of pop culture each and every week. Twice a week, wherever you get your podcast, plus also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football and Game Source. Of course, the great folks at LakersBall.com, Joe Soro, who will not be here today because he's off on his weekend and also doing Joe Soro things. He is also doing Joe Sorrell things at LakersBall.com. Plus, he owns a company, Simblades. You got to help him out, everyone, because, you know, he said he's not into the Mega Millions yet. So we got to put him in the Mega Millions by going ahead and supporting his company today, Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. He said he wants to get AD money. He can't <laughs> do that yet, uh, but you got to go ahead and help him out. Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. Our good friends, Jamie Sweet and Laker Tom, who have just informed me that they are doing a Lakerholics episode tomorrow, Saturday at 4 p.m. Will there be fireworks? Will they call each other names? Will they be arguing once again? Will they call each other secret Mavs fans in disguise? Because we don't do a sign and trade for Christian Wood. We'll find out. But you can go ahead and catch what they do on a regular basis today at Lakerholics.com. Our good friend John McCaleen on John McCaleen's YouTube channel. He'll be streaming again most likely tonight, so go ahead and catch that after our show. And also a big uh, shout-out to the Big Baby podcast. Big Baby was a guest a long time ago. I really uh, you know, like what he does. He's, he's this kid who just tries hard in the industry, and he's got some big aspirations. And he also knows some good Lakers out there. In fact, he's got a recorded, pre-recorded episode of his show with Jeannie Buss. That's coming up later tonight right there. He's got that scheduled. So go ahead and give Big Baby a shout-out, too, whenever you can. If you can support all that, plus also subscribe below. The BDI Joe Sorrell right next to Sean Grice right there. Go ahead and click on that so you get the latest notifications on when we go live in the air. And you need to because you never know when we're going to come up with an emergency pod right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. But we are excited because today starts off the NBA team previews. Magic Man and I have reached out to 
dozens and dozens of reporters and experts from around the country, around the globe, when it talks, you know, if you include Canada and wherever we can go ahead and get the best people to talk about the NBA and the NBA teams that they love and represent. First man up, first man here is a returning guest. You heard him a couple of weeks ago talk about the CBA. He did such a great job. We gave him first dibs on the team that we'd like to talk about. And, it's, you know, the, he had that hat that we saw a couple of weeks back with the 76ers on it. So we gave him dibs on the 76ers. It is the guy behind the Birds Rise podcast. It is Stephen Miguel. Stephen, welcome back. We're just so excited to have you here. We're excited to go ahead and talk about the other teams What's going on as far as, uh, especially with the Sixers, because there's some juicy, juicy stuff going on in Sixers land right now. First of all, thank you for having me on again. Um, I obviously appreciate the opportunity that you guys are giving me to, you know, just get to talk hoops. And that's all, you know, what we all love to do. And speaking of juicy Sixers off seasons, when isn't it? I mean, you have, when you don't have the Ben Simmons saga or the James Harden saga, or Marco Fultz, your first overall pick getting the yips, then your GM has burner accounts, or so it, it's always an adventurous um, Sixers offseason, to say the least. Absolutely. Uh, definitely great to have you here. Great to have everyone in the chat. Blue Magic, give you a shout-out. Hassan, Daniel, already else in there in the chat. Kurt's back from earlier today. Great to have you here. We're talking the Sixers. The first thing, obviously, is the James Harden drama, which played itself out at the end of the season in the playoffs, uh, where you got the best of James Harden and you got the worst of James Harden all in the same series, unfortunately. And uh, it turned out that the Sixers, once again, this time it wasn't up to four bounces on the rim. They just got, unfortunately, they, they had a lead and they blew it. Uh, against the Boston Celtics. So when it comes to what you see there with the Sixers, you see the James Harden drama. Before we get into Joel Embiid, which is another drama that could play itself out, James Harden is asked to be traded. He's leaning towards the Clippers, which is all great and well and good, but the Clippers package that the Sixers have have reportedly been offered has not been good indeed. Your thoughts on James Harden and his future as a Philadelphia 76er? You know, the fan in me wants to say, I just hope this kind of resolves itself in the aspect of just that Harden play out the one year left on his contract. And, you know, he maybe rehabilitates his value because the recency bias of the game six and game seven aren't in people's heads and executives' heads. But at the same time, we know how James Harden is. He's not always the most motivated if he doesn't want to be. He's was a hell of a player. He still was a borderline all-star this year for as much crap as Sixers fans have given him with everything. When all-star teams were announced, Sixers fans were clamoring that he should have got in. When all NBA was announced, Sixers fans were clamoring. He should have been on third team. He led the league in assist. He had those two huge playoff games against the Celtics. I mean, it wasn't all bad with James Harden. And I I think the biggest issue going back to what I, why I brought this up, is that it's the recency bias of him doing what he always does and choking when it mattered in Game 6 and Game 7. But, I mean, he's a very difficult player to replace in terms of Joel Embiid. And I know you still are going to talk about him, but Embiid's just come off, coming off back-to-back scoring titles. 
And obviously, he's a big man who likes the ball in the post or in the mid-range. Harden, again, led the league in assists. He's going to get him the ball, and he is okay, you know, taking the step back, not being the guy, and, you know, taking less shots. So it looks like it's not going to be a stall. We, we, could, we know that for certain. But I, I was hoping initially when he first requested out on Clippers reported we would get Paul George. Doesn't seem feasible. I mean, I, I'm thinking maybe a Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, or Nick Batum, and like Robert Covington or something. I don't know if we'll get a first. I don't know if we're even going to get a Terrence Mann, a young, you know, ball handling type guy. I, I I wish I could be a little bit more wishful, but again, I, I just feel like the the market really isn't there for James Harden where we initially thought it was. Sean, let me ask you this, my friend. Have you got any thoughts right now for Steven? Because the James Harden saga is still playing out. James Harden looks very upset that he's not able already to be basking in the glow of a Southern California beach as a member of the Clippers. Mm -hmm. And that could parlay into a miserable James Harden. And as you both guys know, we have seen the miserable James Harden before, strip clubs aside. We have seen him on the floor. There's that infamous game in Sacramento, I think it was, where he totally mailed it in in front of a television audience. And I thought mm-hmm. that's probably the best case scenario for what we're talking about here. Sean, if, you know, did you have any questions for, Sh- uh, for Steven on that realm? But I think it could get pretty ugly before it gets any better. That <clears throat> that That seems like the most probable of all the uh, likely outcomes, right? However, I, I always come back to this, and um, it, it needs to be said over and over again. <clears throat> In the NBA, Daryl Morey is regarded as um, a high-value executive. He's respected. Um, he's not viewed in terms of, well, you know, if I get Daryl on the phone, we can we can fleece him or... No, 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 no. He's a very resourceful person. And uh, I keep going back to that and thinking there's no way he's going to let the situation dissolve into a situation where he doesn't get an adequate or equal return for Harden. I think eventually he will get that. My, My whole thing is he was willing to wait it out with Ben Simmons. Why wouldn't he be willing to wait it out with James Harden? I mean, I I would almost imagine he would uh, be talking to his reps and saying, hey, go talk to uh, Ben's people. We waited it out for months. So if you want to go there, you might have to wait for months because, Stephen, as far as I know, the the word dialogue and not much of it has been uh, used a lot when it comes to the Sixers and the Clippers. It, It doesn't even look like Maury wants to even discuss a framework of a hardened deal if if that's or if those are the parameters. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the aspect of Ben Simmons in terms of, you know, Daryl waited until he got the package he wanted in James Harden and, you know, it was successful. So why wouldn't he do it again? But I, I think Moy has more leverage this time than he did with Ben Simmons. With Ben Simmons, he was in year one of his rookie extension so he had a big five-year max contract where, okay, well, you know whoever trades with Ben is going to have him for the next four and a half years. Harden, you know, 
doesn't really have the upper hand in terms of he needs to rehabilitate his own value. I mean, if Harden sits out half the year and then gets traded, sure, maybe he goes to a contender, has a nice playoff run, but don't you think he wants to get one last big payday? So that that's one thing. I'm thinking Harden, we'll talk about him mailing it in. I'm not so sure because he's in a contract here. He wants one more big payday. Well, that so, contract he signed last year was a miscalculation on his part where he gave, you know, he didn't sign for the full, didn't sign for an extension. Yeah. He didn't sign for a long enough period. And also he gave money back so the Sixers could sign other players. That in hindsight, whatever deal that he had with Maury at that point in time looks to be out the window at this yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, he it was allegedly he gave, and the Sixers ended up getting um tampering allegations and losing two second round picks over this, but he wanted to play with PJ Tucker, Janelle House, two previous teammates that he's had in Houston. So he took a discount to bring those guys on. And yeah, it, it looks like it's starting to blow up. I don't want to say blow up in the Sixers face because uh, it, it seems like a, most people didn't, or all the whole team didn't want to bring him in for a, one final big max. So I don't think they want to do that last year either. But yeah, it's blowing up in Harden's face in the aspect of not only did he take a discount to get those guys there, but now he wants out. He has one year left on his deal for pretty substantially less than the max. So I'd agree with that. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It is Stephen Miguel for the Birds Right podcast. Go ahead and check out him today. The Birds Rights podcast. Great show if you haven't listened to it already. You can also go ahead and catch him on Twitter or X or whatever they want to call themselves today. Go ahead and check him out today at the Birds Rights Podcast on Twitter. To tell you what, it's Birds Rights Pod right there at Bird Rides Pod on Twitter, X, whatever they call it today. So, Stephen, I ask you this. When it comes to James Harden, how do you see this ultimately rectified? Because people say, well, you know, Damian Lillard with his stuff and what's going on, ultimately he's going to go to Miami because that's where he wants to go, and they're just going to go ahead and have to choke on it, whatever deal, whatever they're going to get at Portland, that's it. Philadelphia, well, James Harden, he wants to go to the Clippers, so eventually he's going to have to go ahead and get whatever he wants from the Clippers, and the Clippers just going to have to go ahead and send whatever they want to Philadelphia, and they're just going to have to deal with it. So I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I hear this all this just like matter-of-factly these things are going to happen. Is that necessarily the case with James Harden? I don't think it's a matter of fact that, oh, he's going to be a Clipper because he wants to be a Clipper. Do you think he might be a sixer on opening night? Asked by High high Octane. I do think so. Uh, I do think this process is going to play itself out a little bit. And I I know Magic Man and myself just talked about the fact that, you know, is he going to hold out? And how how long is Daryl Morey going to, you know, let this go into the season? I'm anticipating Harden is going to play opening night because of the fact that he is in a contract year. So that's my opinion. Okay. Uh, Sean, any questions? Because I've got some from our audience that for Stephen before we hit the Joel and B juicy stuff that's coming up here in a well, little bit. Well, let, let me add one thing before, because um, I don't, indri- I don't think I addressed your first question, um, okay. which I, I already forget what it was. You asked Harden opening nights. And yeah, you asked, but oh, do, is is into a Clippers a certainty? Yeah, do they have to just go ahead by default give him to the Clippers because that's exactly where he wants to go? 
I, I don't think he has to go to the Clippers because that's where he wants to go. I think he's going to end up a Clipper because I don't think anybody else, you know, really values him that way. <laughs> the Clippers have, for years, needed, you know, that elite playmaker next to Kawhi and Paul George. That's been a big bugaboo of theirs. They tried it with John Wall last year. They had Reggie Jackson. Obviously, that didn't work out. They traded for Bones Highland. They, Russell Westbrook worked out okay in the playoffs, but as Lakers fans, you guys know how that's ultimately probably going to end up at this stage in Westbrook's career. So, yes, I, I do think that Harden needs the Clippers and the Clippers need Harden. So that's why I think it ultimately ends up happening because I think the Clippers are going to value him higher than any other team does. But would it shock me if, you know, there's always a mystery team, just like how Don Mitchell was a lock to be a Nick, then all of a sudden he became a Cav. So I don't know. I, I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out, but... I know that the Sixers are thrilled with the packages that, you know, the offers are getting for Holden. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know. Condolences to me. Wow, man. I I just had talked about that, and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Before I go ahead and ask Kurt's question to Stephen, Sean, did you have anything, my friend? No, I thought that was beautifully put by Stephen. I mean, wrapped up in a nice little package there. It, it's almost as if it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a mutualistic relationship that they both have to have with one another. It, um, it, there can't be any any kind of um, uh, par- parasitic or any kind of toxic uh fumes coming out of this situation because it'll it'll affect both parties i think steven hit the nail on the head there i think both of them understand that as well although i do think that uh uh although harden said that he wanted out of philly he's hasn't spoken ill of daryl morey publicly which which tells me to tells me that a, a lot of what's being said about uh, a kerfuffle with maybe the two of them is kind of overblown. I think uh, they they both uh, obviously have mutual respect for one another. I, I, I don't think James would do anything to try and uh, disrepair that relationship. Uh, but Stephen nailed it. They both need each other. And I, I think uh, I agree with uh, Stephen as well. I think it'll go into the season before the uh, situation's resolved. And let me just add one more note. I know you said we have another question, but one aspect nobody's talking about, and again, this is the contracts on the CBA guy in me, the fact that you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both with a player option after this year and James Harden on an expiring deal. Do the Clippers really want all three of those franchise cornerstones hitting the free agent market at the same time? I, that could be a holdup that nobody's talking about. That's true. Very good point. Uh, and that's something that I think that he has to be uh, under consideration on that fact. Uh, Sean, just want to let you know you're echoing against him. I want to just turn down. Uh, uh, but when it comes to our chat, 
Great uh, question by Kurt. He wanted to ask about the new coach that you guys have in Sixerland, okay. which is from where Magic Man's from, Toronto. Nick Nurse, okay. he now assumes the reins of former championship coach, uh, coach for Philadelphia 76ers. So Steven says, what do you think Nick Nurse will do to immediately improve things over Doc Rivers? I know he also added the comment that lozenge sales, lozenge sales as far as for the throat are actually going to be decreasing in Philly. But what do you think, all jokes aside, that Nick Nurse is going to do a little bit better for this specific fit for the Philadelphia 76ers that might make them better than they were before? So I think the biggest downfall with Doc Rivers and – I think I'm not the only one to notice this because it's been out there. The fact that he's not willing to make adjustments. I mean, he will die on the Manchester Harrell Hill or he will, you know, he's going to play his guys no matter what. He's not adaptable. Nick Nurse is going to be a lot quicker to make adjustments. Nick Nurse is also a lot more creative. We've seen Nick Nurse pull out a box and one defense in the NBA finals. I believe we saw him pull out a triangle and two at some point in the finals. He's just, he's going to be a lot more quicker on his feet. He's going to be a lot more willing to make adjustments when Doc Rivers was more of an, a lot of those old school guys are more set in their ways. So I understand that's just kind of Doc Rivers' philosophy. And Nick Nurse, I I think the biggest trepidation with Sixers fans with Nick Nurse is they saw those rotations in Toronto. Will he play all five starters like 42 minutes a night? And then like maybe Chris Boucher and point guard acts off the bench would each play like eight minutes each just to give the starters a little rest. That's concerning given Joel Embiid's injury history that every time he plays an extensive, look at him this year, he still only played like 66 games and one MVP. Mm-hmm. But again, we had issues in the finals where he was worn down, or not in the finals, in the playoffs, where he was worn down in the playoffs once again due to the amount of playing time he got in the playoffs. So... Yeah, so that that's I think the biggest concern where Nick Nurse is different from Doc Rivers is that Nick Nurse plays relies a lot more on the starters. But the Sixers just also match a contract for Paul Reed where, you know, he's gonna be making twenty-four million dollars in the next three years. Two of them non guaranteed becomes guaranteed, assuming we make the second round of the playoffs, which was a good troll by Danny Ainge, by the way, when Utah offered that to him. But yeah, so I mean you have a backup center now. You have Paul Reed, obviously Montres Harrell has a torn ACL, unfortunately. Hopefully he is ready to go for the following season. But, I mean, you're paying a backup center $8 million, so you shouldn't have to be playing and beat 42 minutes a game. So funny, though. you When you said that, it just gives me just, just kind of ideas about how Nick Nurse went to the school, the Tom Thibodeau School of Managing Minutes. Mm-hmm. And just to see Tom Thibodeau at the Knicks this year, when, when we talk our Knicks preview with whoever our guest is, it's going to be funny because I want to hear the excuse or the th- reasons why you've got such a deep roster of players in New York, especially the guards. The backcourt is just loaded with players. I want to hear why he will still play uh, Brunson 40 minutes a game, why mm-hmm. he will play this person 40 minutes a game when you have so much depth coming off the bench. But I'll, I'll that's another question for another day. But the one question I do want to ask before I turn back over to Sean is, of course, the drama, the slight drama that could be building, tension building with Joel Embiid. The, MB, the reigning MVP did mention 
not so offhandedly that he said if he would love to now focus 100% on winning a championship, it's either with Philadelphia or someone else. And it's those last three words that is getting everybody up in an uproar. Is he the next to go? Is he the next to go in a demand a trade? Your thoughts on Joel Embiid. He's always said he's loved the city of Philadelphia. But then again, haven't we heard those lines before from someone else? Kyrie Irving, I'll start off that. I'm going to be a Celtic forever. We saw how that went. I think Kyrie Irving is a little bit on the extreme end of the spectrum. So let's let's say Damian Lillard. Obviously, he has since requested out. So I I don't disagree with that. Dame loves Portland. I'm sure he loves the city. He loves the fans. They've treated him with nothing but open arms. They've welcomed him and embraced him. And I'm sure he loves the city. But it gets to a point in the player's career where, okay, realistically, I'm not going to win here. And I think the biggest thing with Embiid is, he always said, especially like three, four years ago, before he ever was like in consideration for an MVP, he said, I don't want to win an MVP. He said, I want to win a championship. And he said, a defensive player of the year is actually more important to me than an MVP. Then all of a sudden, he gets back-to-back years, gets second place, runner-up for MVP, and then that's looming over his head. He says, oh, I don't care about it. Of course he cares about it. I mean, who doesn't want that kind of honor? That solidifies you as an all-time great, in my opinion. Only, what, 42 or something guys have won MVP ever? So, absolutely, he wanted that. So, I preface that to say he had that hanging over his head, that MVP award. Now, I feel like he could kind of move on to, okay, I got my MVP. I solidify myself as an all-time great. I have my two scoring titles. Now is the time. He knows his time is going to be as long as Damian Lillard's is. He's the big man with a lot of leg injuries, history, back. history of, yeah, leg injuries. So, and the back. Don't forget the back injury. Of that course, and the back. So, oh, that doesn't even put me in a worse mood, the back. But <laughs> anyway, but I, but exactly. It's the fact that, you know, he, his primes, he has, I hope, I hope four more years of pretty damn good basketball left. I mean, he just won MVP, so I'll see these last three years with the two runners up and the MVP would be his peak. He keeps getting better, though. So I, I don't know. He's going to be 30 years old in the next season or two. It's I, I I think he realizes, okay, I got the MVP out of the way. It's time to start winning. I don't think it has to do with him not liking the city or the fans. But, I mean, who, who doesn't want to win a ring for, I mean, for the most part? I mean, that that's the whole reason you're playing this game. This is true, my friend. Sean, do you have anything for Steven? Well, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, Josh Harris uh, just recently bought the uh, Washington Commanders. That's mm-hmm. been in the news, Stephen. And um, so one thing is very clear is that if you convince Josh Harris that the Philadelphia 76ers are good enough to win a title, I think he'd be willing to spend the money. Yeah, he's been paying the luxury tax. I don't think that's an He issue. has. He has been paying in a luxury tax. So it's not as if uh, NBA fans or Philly fans can, can uh, you know, point at Josh and the ownership group and say, well, they're not doing yet. They're doing everything they possibly can, according to what management has been uh, preaching. But my question is, you know, Stephen, if they thought Harden was worth the investment, I'm sure they'd give it to him. And it's like you said, now it's time to, you know, 
show show your cards here. There's no more bluffing. So they both come into the season. Do you think that Maury is in a position where if he doesn't get what he wants, he'd be he'd be willing to let Harden walk for nothing? Because that that might be a lot, a lot for Philly fans to swallow. You mean at the conclusion of this upcoming season? That's right. Yeah, when I first got the notification, oh, James Harden requested a trade, I said, you know what? This is the best case scenario because we don't want to pay him a five-year max where in the fifth year at 37 years old, or however old he would be, where the fourth year, because the fifth year would be non-guaranteed due to the um, over 38 rule, but at 37 years old, he'd be making $60 million. Is that really something we wanted to swallow? So Sixers fans didn't want to pay him the four-year, five-year max, whatever you would have signed. But at the same time, I personally still want to walk for nothing. Because you, if you walk for nothing, then what do you have? who do you have after Embiid? Obviously, Maxi's a hell of a player. I think he takes the next step once he has the ball in his hands four times when Harden's uh, no longer here. Um, mm-hmm. Tobias Harris is, seems to be a trade chip, and they want to use his large salary to bring in a star with multiple years left on his deal. That hasn't come to fruition. We have nothing to package with him to get that star, unless you're going to package Maxi. So, yeah, does the fa- I said I didn't want Harden to walk for nothing. So I thought this was the best case scenario. So, yeah, to answer your question, I, I do think if you let Harden walk, you can't trade him. You let him walk, and it's another second round exit with or without him. That's kind of the nightmare scenario. Tell you what, though, when it comes to the Sixers, I mean, there's a lot of great questions that are bound, but Kurt has a good one. What new additions to the team do you foresee making an impact this season? That's two great questions, Kurt. Well done. Which is, you know, because they've got some new additions, new players coming in there, just like every team does. But who do you see making an impact for them this season? So, in terms of players, I actually think we've had a very underwhelming. Um, Lost a couple good players, too. Yeah. So uh, I think the biggest issue is because we still have the um, taxpayer MLE. We haven't spent it at all. Uh, I think because they don't want to spend the money on a guy and then all of a sudden they don't have a roster spot because they need to do a three-for-one trade to get rid of Harden to match salary. So mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest reason why. Like Kelly Oubre is out there. I would, we have no wings at all. Denor House might be the only true wing on the roster. I would be ecstatic if we got a Kelly Oubre type guy. Just just, uh, just because we need a guy who's that size who could do those kind of things. We don't have that. We lost George Yang. He was in a way, but you no longer have a backup four, which means you're probably going to stagger P.J. Tucker and Tobias Harris. So who, who the hell is going to play the wing, the small forward in the shooting guard position? So... I think the biggest addition we're going to have, we we obviously acquired Mo Bamba, but then we re-signed Paul Reed. So I don't know if they want to use Reed at the four to replace Niang and Bamba's the backup five. I, I That's going to be interesting because I know Bamba did say when he signed here, he remembered when Toronto won it all, they Nick Nurse would play Ibaka and Marcus Gasol next to each other. Bamba and Embiid trade together. They both trained with Drew Hanlon. They're very close friends, um, according to at least what I've heard. So maybe they actually end up playing a little bit together with Bamba just being a stretch four next to Embiid with a super long wingspan, some weak side rim protection. 
but it's either him or it's Pat Bev. And with Pat Bev, it's like, I, I know I already talked about the Nick Nurse playing. Like, let's say Nick Nurse wants to pull out a box and one. Who the hell is going to be the one now that we don't have Matisse Ibel <laughs> or Dylan McDaniel? It, it's going to have to be Pat Bev, who's a better, I, I suppose, a better man defender on the team. But at this point, Pat Bev isn't what he used to be in terms of the defense. Hopefully so he will do better for your team than ours. Mm-hmm. I hope. I mean, he's it's a minimum guy, so I get it. But when your two big additions were Mo Bamba and Pat Bev, each for the minimum, I just, uh, I, I'm not looking, you know. You, you need to see how the Harden trade plays out because I think the biggest addition to our team isn't on the roster right now. Good point indeed. But once again, it is Stephen Miguel from the Bird Rise Podcast. Please go ahead and check him out today at the Bird Rise Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Plus also, Bird Rise Pod on twitter slash x slash whatever it is today i don't know seems to be whatever you just type in twitter and still goes there x whatever sean i want to ask you this though when it comes to what we're seeing with the sixers again it is despite i think the losses of niang of of shake milton of you know not getting the best of lakers quality players Mm -hmm. in return as we talked about with bamba the theory of Mo Bamba is much better than the Mo Bamba in practice from what we saw with the Lakers because of his lack of defensive awareness. And then we saw Pat Bev, his best moment was actually going ahead and bringing out a camera to show the ref at, you know, that at the Boston game that, you know, he was blind. <laughs> so that's going to be Pat Bev for you. But I will say that again, despite what I say, there's still some great talent on what what you know as far as what philadelphia has to offer tyrese maxey is i still think going to be a star i still think he hasn't hit his peak but sean do you have anything you want to add on to for the season for the philadelphia sixers i do gerald i do i i thought it was interesting about a week and a half after free agency really started i noticed paul reed was, was still out there i thought hmm that's interesting and then for some reason the Utah Jazz threw him an offer sheet, right? But if you look at the Jazz roster, they have a glut in the front court. And they're deep, too. Mm-hmm. Markinen, Fontecchio, Keontae George. They just drafted Taylor Hendricks. You've got Kelly Olynyk, and obviously the uh, Walker Kessler. So I thought that was very interesting. Now, Philly matched, and I thought it was a really good deal. I think uh, Philly's getting Paul Reed on a dime here, uh, Stephen. I think uh, he might be a key here for especially to find and beat a lot of rest. Do you think that uh, they got a sweetheart deal? Because I sure do. Um, I, I thought Reed could have commanded a lot more. So... I always do my mock trade deadline and my mock offseason each year. Unfortunately, because of other obligations I had this summer, I didn't have the opportunity to do my mock um, offseason. But I preface that to say that uh, I preface that to say I'm pretty good with, you know, trying to predict these contracts. It's always a crapshoot where guys end up signing unless, you know, the rumors reported or super accurate. But I thought Paul Reed was going to get at least 10 to $12 million a year. Yeah, so I, I think the fact that he only got one year, $8 million guaranteed with two more years tacked on if the Sixers make the second round of the play. Because if you think about it, Paul Reed had to have known the Sixers were matching. Why else would he have signed it? Because the contract was 
the second and third years become guaranteed if the team he's on makes it to the second round of the playoffs. If Sixers in a match, Utah's very unlikely to make it to the second round of the playoffs. So Paul Reed adds to some kind of intel that they were going to match. So that that's my opinion. Um, It was tough because it was never going to be the Sixers to pay him that kind of money because of the fact that they have Embiid. You're not going to pay $10 million plus for a backup center. I think even $8 million plus is a little expensive for a backup center, but you know what? You you had to do something. You couldn't just sit there and be lame ducks. So, yeah, I, I, I always... Utah was one of the teams I liked for Paul Reed. I also liked OKC a lot. I would have loved him and Chet Holmgren playing next to each other a ton. And I would have liked the Orlando fit. After Wendell Carter, I believe they only have Mo Wagner. I, I think Paul Reed would have been a hell of a fit in Orlando too. Why those teams didn't offer, I can't say. I just think, I mean... Orlando obviously used the, um, I believe it was the room exception, Joe Ingles. And OKC already has like 20 guaranteed guys on their roster. So I don't think it's really feasible for them to add another guy. So that, that's what you're thinking too. I just think the teams that were good fits just had other priorities. So I just think he's one of the guys to unfortunately get squeezed because of it. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. We're talking the Sixers right here with Stephen Miguel for the Bird Rights Podcast. Stephen, last thing I want to talk to you about for the Philadelphia before we hear your thoughts on the Lakers is with all that said and done, and you talked about how they've got rid of a couple guys or let a couple guys go, haven't gotten much in return. You said they're much in waiting in more like a holding pattern because you think an imminent trade for a three for one trade or something where they're going to get a lot more quality guys coming in there is still on the horizon. But with what you see now and what you see going forward, how well do you think the Philadelphia 76ers will be doing this season? Where do you project them so far this season for this Eastern conference? It's tough to not say a second round exit when that's your fate every year. <laughs> but, but I, I think Milwaukee I think Milwaukee actually will take a little bit of a step back just because of how old the roster is around Giannis. I mean, Middleton obviously had a bunch of injuries last year. He didn't play much until towards the end of the year. Holiday made the all-star team, but he's another year older. They were both going to be 32, I believe. Brooke Lopez is 37. Or 37, 35. I think he's 35 turning 36. But he's no spring chicken either, unfortunately, as good as he was last year. So I think Milwaukee takes a step back, but I still think they are better than us. And then Boston, I think, will probably be a hell of a bit better now that I'm not a big Porzingis guy, but I understand him. You just talked about Mobamba in theory. I think Kristaps is a, is a you know, Mobamba's probably a poor man's version of that for Kristaps. But 
you anticipate Boston being better, Milwaukee being a little bit worse. So it's at the point where, okay, just Cleveland. Miami definitely passes us if they get Dame. Without Dame, I think we might be better in the regular season, but Miami has shown they're more equipped to win in the playoffs when it matters. Even without Struess, even without Vincent, sure, they need a point guard. They have Kyle Lowry and not a whole lot else. But I, I, I'm, I'm going under the assumption Dame Lillard ends there. So then that puts us already at the four seed. Uh, I, I still think I'll take Cleveland ahead of us as well. So I say Sixers might not even be a home court advantage team right now, depending how the James Harden trade plays out. So right now I'll pick them around the four or five range. I think we're right there with Cleveland. Okay. All right. Magic Man, do you see the same thing or do you see something different when it comes to the Sixers and where they stand? Because I think that's, even with the losses uh, in their personnel, as of now, what's going on, unless the hard drama drags out really badly, I, I think a fourth to fifth. I think that's where I see them right now as well. Magic Man? There you go. Yeah, there you go. I, agree. I agree with both of these gentlemen, so it's a consensus. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Top end, top four still to me with the talent. And then, you know, I, I, I think even with uh, even with uh, a little slump here, they're, they're top, still top six for me, Gerald. So, yeah, I think four or five, they're right there with, with the Cavs. I think as long as you have Maxi and Embiid healthy, yeah, yep. you're always in the mix as far as the top half of the Eastern Conference. And I, I will say, Gerald, I will, I will um, give the Sixers probably – uh, plus three or four wins more so than I would with Rivers. Um, Nurse is a very tactical uh, head coach, and he's willing to throw the kitchen sink at just about anything. So I think that's uh, a big difference where Sixers fans will be pleasantly surprised in some respects and in others not so much. But uh, I think just with the addition of Nurse and like you said, with the health of Maxi and Embiid, I I think that's that's a recipe for a team that can still remain in the top four. Your thoughts right there? I mean, that, I think that's pretty much, just, like I said, as long as you have Maxi and Embiid, I think the top four in the Eastern Conference is still a good spot for you for, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yep. Okay, Stephen, and uh, any last thoughts on the Sixers? I mean, just again, you know, I just think that they're like I said, it's going to be a team that I still think, despite the losses, I think it's still, and especially if they get a, a replacement for Harden, I think it could be just nothing but an upgrade for them as well. Yeah, I, at this point, Harden's a zero, just about. I'm not saying him is a player, but I'm saying. You, you just don't want to deal with this whole thing over again when you just did it with Ben Simmons a couple years ago. So I, if you could get Norm Powell, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, I, at this point, just I just say we don't have any wings. Those guys, Marcus or Norm Powell's a little bit small for a wing, but he could do it. Morris and Covington are more power forwards nowadays, but ju- just cut your losses. I, I would love to get Terrence Mann in the end. I think that might be the sticking point at this point. But yeah, I, I would just say get the deal done at this point. Don't let it drag out too long. So before we head on out, my friend, and once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It is Stephen Miguel from the Bird Rights Podcast. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the Bird Rights Podcast, plus also at Bird Rights Pod on Twitter X. Also as well, Sean Grice is here as well, the magic man, the bad man from Toronto, the guy who did get out of Toronto traffic to go ahead and talk to Stephen as well. Your thoughts, Stephen? We're very curious here in 
Lakers land here with our great crowd. Always the best chat room that's out there for the Lakers fast break. Your thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers. We always love to hear outside opinions. We don't hate on them. We respect mm -hmm. them. As long as they're respectful to us, we just love the fact we're, you know, when we hear outside thoughts, we have had great fans from the Nuggets, great fans from Utah. They come in, they're respectful, they share their thoughts, and, and they're welcome anytime. Your thoughts, my friend, Stephen. We're ready. Yes, I'm bracing myself. I've got it. Okay. Lay it on us, my friend, especially after what happened with AD today and the extension. What are your thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers for this season? So, ironically enough, Ong Bird Rights, one of the person I most frequently have Ong Bird Rights, the guest that I have, is Corbin Ford. He loves the Lakers. So, we frequently talk about, you know, the Lakers. And him and I did last year, we do every year actually on Bird Rights front office and executive rankings. We rank everyone from 1 to 30. Back-to-back -back years, I put Rob Palenka at 30th. Go going into last year, going to the year before, I said Rob Palenka doesn't know how to manage contracts. He, it, It's malpractice, a lot of things he's doing. I can't think of examples at this moment. But, We're not going and, to dispute that. Yeah. At no. all. But then all of a no. sudden, the trade deadline happened. No arguments from this panel, sir. Well, anyway, the trade deadline happens last year, and I love the trades the Lakers made with it. So I, I was talking to Corbin afterwards because we did a trade deadline um, like review, and I said, you know what? Rob Palenka impressed me. I liked um, the D'Angelo Russell trade where you got D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, um, who else? I know you got Mo Bamba in a different trade. There was somebody else yeah. you guys got in that deal. That, um, it was uh, Beasley. Beasley, that's who it was. And Beasley, I thought, was going to make a bigger impact at the time. But I was like, you know what? I like Jared Vanderbilt for you give up the first for him. D'Angelo Russell, whatever. He, he'll play regular season minutes, eat up minutes, and be serviceable. And obviously, we saw it happen in the playoffs. But going into the playoffs last year, I was super high on them. I said on my playoff prediction episode, I said, I know the Lakers are the seventh seed, but I think they're coming out of the West. At the time, I had a Sixers, Lakers, finals sixers and seven in philly and i'm a season ticket holder for the sixers so i would have been ecstatic for that for to go to game seven obviously that didn't happen both teams made it or lakers actually made it farther than the sixers did but the lakers ended up obviously as we know losing in denver i thought they were going to win that series but by the time that series came around i was like you know what denver was so they were playing so well i said i thought the lakers were going to win they're not going to win this series so, anyway, going into this year, D'Angelo Russell, I feel like, was a little bit of an overpay. Um, but I, I think that was an overpay because of the fact that he waived his inherent no trade clause he would have gotten. So, hey, we'll pay you a few extra million dollars if, you know, if we could trade you. Um, Rui Hachimura, I think, was a little bit of an overpay. But the fact that you got Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves, excuse me, for 14 mil a year, when teams wanted off from 20 million, but they didn't because they don't want to help the Lakers out. They just, hey, signed him cheaper, which ended up doing the Lakers a favor because Lakers got him for cheaper anyway. I, I think that was a, I think Austin Reeves is a $100 million player. I, I really do. So the fact that you got him four for 56, I think was a great job. Who else? DeAndre Russell, we just talked about. Cam Reddish, I don't think much of. Who was the other big signing? It's escaping me right now on the oh, Lakers. Cam Reddish. Jackson Hayes, uh, Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent, yeah. Gabe Vincent was the mid-level exception. I like that. 
Um, yeah, I think th- obviously last time when I came on talk CBA, we did talk about how the Lakers need one more big man because I don't want to rely too much on Jackson Hayes. I think they could use another wing too. So, but I think by the time the playoffs come around, they have enough guys that they could match salary wise. And they could so agreed. Torian Prince as well. We added Torian Prince, Prince. Yeah, Torian Prince was a fine. They used the biannual exception on him. So. They, I think they did a fine job this offseason. They ended up having everything click on all cylinders towards the end of the year last year. So, you know, let's see you work for a full season. So, I think Rob Palenka is starting to figure it out. I think this Lakers team in general is starting to figure it out. And I'm actually – I think Denver is actually a juggernaut. I know they lost Bruce Brown, but I think Denver is pretty damn good. Golden State obviously isn't going anywhere yet. Um, the West is just so good. Memphis, obviously, missing John Morant for some time, but you figure Pelicans will be better with Zion. There's just, there's so many teams in the West. Sacramento. So I'm excited for the Lakers, what they're doing. It's just it's going to be a bloodbath to get there. So maybe they end up in the regular season again around the 5-6 seed, but then I expect them to make a similar type playoff run where, okay, they don't care much about the regular season. Miami showed the regular season doesn't matter as much. After losing the first playing game, they end up making it to the finals. So, yeah, I'm actually super excited, and I think the Lakers are a legitimate contender again. What I want to say, though, is, Stephen, at least, uh, you know, as far as someone who manages the cap and, and observes it like you do, I do want to mention that, you know, when you have D'Angelo Russell on – what you say is an overpay, and I'm not going to say I disagree with you because we saw that in the playoffs. It might have been a little bit overreach. This is a guy, though, that was looking at a $30 million-plus year contract going into the playoffs, and he comes out of it at a $17 million yeah. year. These are tradable contracts. Rui is a little bit over overpaid from everybody's seeing because you talk about what we've seen for the regular season to what we got in the playoffs, two different night-and-day type scenarios there. So it, right now it looks like a little bit of an overpay for Rui, but these are all tradable contracts except for ADs. These are all tradable contracts, you know, up to LeBron and AD. So if they do not like a, a player or players leading into the trade deadline, at least they can move them rather easily on those mm-hmm. contracts. None of those exceed 20 a year that we're talking about. Yeah, I'm maybe the overpay is intentional for that reason. You brought up a great point. The fact that, hey, we have this player in mind. We're going to have to sell a match for him. Let's give D'Angelo Russell Rui Hachimura an extra few million dollars a year, and then we can always you know, trade one of them. So, yeah, there, there's always a method behind the madness. I know as much as I crapped on Rob Palenka the last few years up until recently, I mean – there's a method to the madness. These guys know what they're doing. They're NBA executives. He was Kobe Bryant's agent for years. He knows what he's doing. So, again, method behind the madness. And one guy I want to talk about that, forgive me, I'm sure you guys have talked about him. Max Christie is going to have a massive breakout year this year, and I am so excited for you guys as Lakers fans to witness it. Uh, we are very excited, too. He looked very smooth and confident in Summer League, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. He, if he does blow up, although I found out the other day, cause I've been ragging on Rob Palenka, like you uh, have been, um, you know, one of the mistakes that he made was that he was always inclined to send, to sign these second round draft picks or unround, uh, undrafted draft picks mm-hmm. to two year contracts. Yeah, that's and I was al- 
And I thought that was a really idiotic thing to do, especially when it concerns Max Christie. If he does blow up, now you're on the hook for more money sooner rather than later. I was told last week that the reason why they signed Max Christie to only a two-year at the time was because Lonnie Walker's uh, exception that they signed, the MLE, was uh, mm-hmm. taking up a lot of the slots. And I guess for some reason that prevented the Lakers from signing Max Christie to a, uh, an extended three or four year contract. I, that's what I, that's what I was listening to. And that's what I was, was reported. I'm not sure if that's the case under the old CBA. Is that true? Was that not true? I, I, I don't really, I'm not really sure. If my recollection is accurate, Lonnie Walker, usually because this is what was implemented in the new CBA. The fact that there's now second round exceptions to sign you second round picks. Yeah. So, which we did this time, right on Maxwell Lewis. Yes. Yeah. So Previously, you had to take an exception to sign a guy. I believe they gave Lonnie Walker just about the full MLE. Yes. Which I don't know why they couldn't dock it like a million and a half. I'm sure he would have agreed to it anyway. But basically, I believe Christie signed for almost a minimum or basically was a minimum. And those could only go for two years. If you okay. won it for the third year, it would have to have been the mid-level exception. Any deal that comes out of the MLE could go up to three or four years. Okay. So the only reason I, I say get... was because Kennedy Chandler, that's the one I remember the most because mm-hmm. he actually didn't he didn't pan out. I think the Sixers had a taste of him after he left Memphis, but he signed a four-year and he was drafted right around Max Christie. That's that's the reason why I ask. So yeah, because I believe they used a part of the mid-level exception to sign him. I believe it was four, okay. but two of them weren't guaranteed. That's typically yeah, what happened. But, yeah. But yeah, you, you saw it happen with Austin Reeves. Same thing. He was there for two years, and then you had to pay him, and he w- ended up being subsequent to the arenas role because of it, where he was only able to get the full 56 from the Lakers. Now Taylor Lakers Horton, Tucker, Alex yep. Caruso, all these guys were signed to two years deals and then they blow up and we're on the hook for more money or end up losing them. So yeah, that's, that's the reason why I wanted to ask you on that. Yeah, no, um, you're, you're completely accurate with that. And that's one of the big qualms I have with him too. So thank you for um reminding me of that. Oh, believe me. They, you know, we've been saying it here as far as the, the vision for Rob Palenka for, quite some time has been but you know like you said he redeemed himself for the trade deadline and redeemed himself quite a bit here during the summer sean let me get you back on the air here as i unmute you any thoughts for uh, for steven on on what he thinks about the lakers i think that's not too unreasonable as far as the fifth or sixth for the lakers especially if lebron and ad sit out more than a few games that we're we're hoping that they sit out uh, honestly, that that was a very well articulated perspective. Can't really disagree. I, I think you know we're 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 high hopes, so we're thinking like top three. But yeah, I, I, that's realistic to me, Joe. Given the fact that the West is very top heavy, and again, um, uh, I, I think we'll we'll have uh, a Grizzlies expert on Stephen. But I I think uh, a lot of people are kind of overblowing the Joss situation. I think Marcus Smart being a primary ball handler for them won't uh, tail them off too much from the top of the Western Conference. So I, I think yeah. that's an accurate description. No, I agree. Um, the Grizzlies, I don't believe it was last year, but two years ago, they were, what, like 13-1 and one in games John Murray and Miss. It was something absurd. But yeah. all by that was with Tyus Jones, not Marcus Smart. But they needed a guy like Marcus Smart. They needed the Dylan Brooks role from somebody who wasn't Dylan Brooks. 
And that's why they have a few first round picks to get Marcus Smart. So that's well said. That's well said. <laughs> Last question from Kurt, though, is a situation for us here at the Lakers, and wanted your advice on that. Who do you think would be a better fit for a backup center? Christian Wood, Biombo, or wait for another dude? Oh. Christian Wood would be okay. You'd probably have to stagger him with Jared Vanderbilt just because he's he's not a rim protector whatsoever. At least Vanderbilt's more of a weak side type switchable type guy but he could he has some rim protection chops even though he's small he could he's a good rebounder i mean so i, I think or you have to play him with ad one or the other i mean yeah. that that's a christian wood's clearly the most talented out of those guys biombo i just i don't see a guy like that a back to the basket guy who still can't even really score when his back's to the basket it's, or in it's front of the t- basket yeah that but yeah exactly so that's why it's difficult for a guy like that to really be successful today's NBA, which is why I think, you know, he's really been unsigned. Um, that and the 37% of, free throw shooting. Yeah, that too. And just the lack of being a non-shooter in general. That's why at least Christian Wood is able to provide, you know, that to you guys, the stretching the floor and opening up a little bit more for LeBron to be able to work and, you know, drive to the basket. So Christian Wood would definitely be my favorite, but he's clearly the most talented one. It's just a matter of how much he impacts winning at this point. Yeah. But for a backup center, I, I think he's fine. I, I just think he's overstretched in a, you know, starting role for a championship caliber team. But as a backup, I love it. Great thoughts right there from Steven Miguel. Steven, before we head on out, what do you got cooking for everyone out there on your awesome podcast, the Bird Rides podcast? So, Bird Pod, as I said, I've had other obligations this summer, so I actually haven't been recording too much, but those obligations are now over, so I will be, you know, posting frequently. You guys can follow me on TikTok, first of all. I am getting tech-savvy enough to use TikTok. At Bird Pod, I was at the TBT Championship yesterday and Wednesday. For those of you who don't know TBT is, it's the basketball tournaments. It's basically a tournament where winning team gets a million dollars. It's a lot of either former NBAers or high-level college guys that are now playing in Europe. I was at the championship with media credentials yesterday. It was a whole lot of fun. So I have TikToks of the game-winning shot. I was right there under the basket with media. So go check those out. I interviewed some guys from the TBT that played in it. And on my YouTube channel as well, which I believe is also Bird Rights Pod. If not, it's linked in my Twitter, which, as you already posted, is Bird Rights Pod on Twitter. You could find my YouTube channel, which is also Bird Rights Pod, so it's all Bird Rights Pod. There you go. Um, I did interviews with guys at the Portsmouth Invitational, guys from the TBT. I just have a whole lot of, you know, interviews and stuff like that going on, and I'm probably going to do a similar thing that you guys are doing in terms of team previews, so that's what you can anticipate from my content. And yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Awesome, indeed. Once again, it is Stephen Bagel from the Bird Rides Podcast. Please go ahead and support him today. Follow him, Bird Rides Pod, wherever you get your social media. You go ahead on Twitter, slash X. Also as well, he mentioned TikTok. Of course, when he's got new episodes, please give him a shout out right there at the Bird Rides Podcast. So Sean, any last thoughts, my friend, before we head on out? Been a busy day for us. Yes. It has, Gerald. Um, yeah, you know, Stephen, I, I think uh, 
honestly, I think if the Sixers make it back to a game seven uh, in the conference semifinals, I think the Sixers <laughs> fans will take it. Given the given, given the, the history that of them, though. watch yeah. that rim, watch that rim, watch yeah. that basketball. Um, we'll watch the look, rim and pass the ball instead of dunking us. No, yes, you exactly. look, you were right the last time you were on, brother, when you said that when that shot went up, and I was in the city of Toronto when that shot went up. One, two, don't three, make me relive it. Four, and. You're, no, you're right, dude. If it didn't go in, we would have won think, it all. Yeah, with that, that Jimmy Butler team, we would have won it all. That 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 bounce decided the 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 championship that year. It was either going to be Toronto or Philly that was going to raise the title, and you know it's just a space between a blink and a tear, man. This is sport. How it goes sometimes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but um, look. A small part of me roots for Philly fans. You know, obviously, um, we love Kobe Bean Bryant. Kobe's from Philly. You know, Ooh. Kobe might have left Philly, but Philly never left Kobe. So, you know, Lakers fans kind of have to think about that a little bit. But we wish you well, uh, except when you're playing us. And, uh, of course. my God, man, I wanted you guys so bad to beat the Boston Celtics because we can't stand them. <laughs> These guys always at the better end of us. Oh, so if you meet them in the playoffs, please take care of them. Just take I'll care. I'll see what of I them. can do. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, it is Steve Miguel for the Birds Rise podcast. Thanks so much for being the first team preview that we do for this offseason start for the Philadelphia 76ers. Truly appreciate your time that you take with spending talking to us. And again, as I said before, the red carpet's open. Anytime you want to chat with us, you're always welcome right here, my friend right here and big shout out also as well to the greatest chat room that's out there we'll see you this weekend with laker tom and jamie sweet together will they provide more drama themselves will they go at it we'll find out in the laker holic spotlight catch it right here on a lakers weekend right here at the lakers